0: Hey guys, good afternoon. Welcome to the 330 Sports Show. My name is Justin Coffin. Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2023. Today um, we're gonna start a lot with a lot of Ohio State football talk. So Ohio State finished up spring practice. Uh, They're heading into the summer pre-2023 season. Uh, The NFL draft is also one week from today, it begins. Uh, first round kicks off. So, we're going to talk a lot of Buckeyes early on the first half of the show. Uh, and we're going to have a guest join us here in a second. Uh, after our guest joins us, uh, we are going to talk a little bit of Cavs, Knicks, a little bit of Guardians, and uh, a little bit of stuff around the sports world. So, that's what's on the docket today. So, without further ado, he looks like he's backstage. Let's bring our guest in. Uh, We're going to bring Steve Hellwagon in of 24-7 Sports. Steve, we're going to put you backstage. We're going to bring you back here in just a minute. Um, So basically what we're going to talk about, I'm just going to give you like some of my notes as, as we prep our audio. I'm really curious to hear what Steve has to say on the CJ Stroud stuff that's going around because it has really annoyed me. Uh, because CJ Stroud, uh, has been kind of thrown under the bus here the last couple of days and he has done nothing, uh, to hurt his reputation in my opinion. So, um, I'm going to hear what Steve thinks as someone that has talked and interviewed him before. So, um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Buckeyes that are in the 2023 NFL draft up, uh, should have several first rounders as normal. Uh, But we're going to see where some of those other guys might land and also uh, hear what we think about, you know, post spring ball, what we think about uh, the biggest questions heading into the offseason and preseason camp. Obviously, there's a large quarterback battle going on uh, that will be uh, kind of important and and some of the unanswered questions uh, that were left after the 2023 season. I'm on, my, I'm on my toes here working on, uh, on some stuff. So I'll tell you what, since, uh, since we're working on uh, our audio on our end, and you guys can hear me live here before we bring Steve in, because we're having trouble connecting with his audio, and that's our fault, we will talk a little bit about the Cavs-Knicks series here before we bring Steve in. Uh, so Cavs-Knicks tied up one game apiece. Uh, Cavs travel to New York. The game is tomorrow night, a tip, uh, at eight 30 in Madison square garden, the Mecca of all, uh, basketball arenas. So that should be really exciting. The Cavs Knicks, um, had a great, uh, first game. You might, the way you want to call it, I call it a great game. I was actually, uh, right on court side in game one Cavs kind of, uh, let the Knicks out bully them in game one. The Cavs came out and out bullied the Knicks and just dominated them in game two to tie that series at one game apiece. So unfortunately home court advantage shifts to the New York Knicks. Um, But, you know it's a best of five series now so basically zero zero best of five let's go uh so let's get uh best case scenario for the Cavs. you get two wins in new york come home and close it out but uh if you split then you got a best of three series with uh two games being in cleveland so uh let's look at some of the numbers from game two uh darius garland 32 points 32 points in game two Came out really aggressive. Uh, 26 of those points came in the first half. Uh, so that's phenomenal. He he had a quiet game one, 17, and had only one assist and five turnovers. Donovan Mitchell came out, had 17 points, but more importantly, 13 assists uh, to uh, lead the Cavs in that number. So that's a huge number. 24, another big number in this game. Karis Lavert's points. Off the bench, he had seven more himself of those 24 than the Cavs did entirely in game one. They only had 17 in game one. And uh, so just a very nice performance by him. Maybe he moves in the starting lineup. I kind of like keeping him off the bench. And then also 39 points by the New York Knicks in the first half of that game, uh, which was their lowest output of the season. So a great defensive performance by the Cavs. And in addition to that, held the Knicks the 7 of 29 shooting from the three-point line, which is under 25%. We got we got music, we got audio uh, in the background, so we we're we're just working out the kinks here, but we're uh, we're figuring it out as we go. All right, Steve, I apologize. Uh, we have our audio back now uh, on on our end. So, um, how you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. What's going on?
0: Uh, not much, <laughs> not much. Enjoying the beautiful weather. You're down in Columbus. How's it looking down there today?
1: It's wonderful. Uh, my son just headed out to the golf course, and if I uh, get my work done here in a little bit. Maybe I'll trail out there and see if I can catch up with you. Maybe. All right,
0: all right. We we won't keep you uh, too, too long, man. <laughs> What's your course by the way of choice down there in the Columbus area?
1: Well, uh, I live in Batasco on the east side, so we've got a, a local uh, public course called Cumberland Trail right on Route Forty. That's pretty good. Uh, it's been featured, I think, on some of the Valley Sports shows uh, with uh, Jimmy uh, Hanlon, I think, in years past, and okay. then uh they had some same ownership for a while and then uh i don't know i mean i I don't get out a whole heck of a lot but that that's probably one that i would play quite a bit uh mound builders country club in newark is really nice uh near where i live and uh some of the other ones uh osu scarlet is obviously a great course you know back you know in columbus but uh I got an invite to play in the Memorial uh, Mm -hmm. Tournament media outing at Muirfield Village. So. Uh, my golf, neither my golf game nor my conditioning are up for that uh, task. Trust me when I tell you. So, <laughs> well,
0: it'll be fun to say the least. At least to play that course. Uh yeah. Is that before? Is that before the tournament or after? The yeah, tournament? it'll
1: be like May 9th, something like that. Okay. About three weeks before the tournament. So, okay. Yeah, it'll All be right. in pristine condition. No oh, doubt. no
0: doubt, no doubt. All right, very good, very good. All right, Steve. Let's get to uh, a little bit of like brass tacks with the Buckeyes here. So. I started out, like, on my drive down here today to the studio, uh, I'm hearing, you know, the the national media outlets kind of banging on C.J. Stroud a little bit, and that honestly irked me as I've, you know, I've never personally met C.J. Stroud, but every interview, everything I've heard, and maybe it's from a biased perspective of being an Ohio State fan myself, but everything has been positive. About this young man as he's entering the draft, and now you're hearing rumors of him possibly a couple of weeks ago being the number one pick. Now it's like, well, now it's Bryce Young going to the te- or going to the uh, Panthers, and Stroud possibly dropping in in the you know it amongst a- NFL favors. So what's what's your thoughts on on that? If you know anything about that,
1: you know I think it's all just kind of ridiculous. I think that. Uh... C.J. Stroud showed last season uh, just how good a player he is. Um, You know, in his two years as the starter, uh, they lost two games to Michigan, uh, lost to Georgia uh, there in the playoff, um, lost to Oregon. I think that was it. I think Mm -hmm. it was four losses over two years. I don't think that the losses really had anything to do with C.J. Stroud. He didn't throw a bunch of interceptions or Mm fumble the ball or – or do anything, you know, particularly heinous in any of those losses. In fact, I think the Georgia game, if you put the all 22 tape on and the end zone view and watch what he did in that game under almost constant duress from one yep. of the best defensive lines in the country, is he just kept putting one ball after another after another on the money under constant duress, I think that may have been the best game he played against a quality opponent. I mean, he threw for a million yards against Utah last year in the Rose Bowl, but they were, you know, they were playing running backs at cornerback, you know, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was like they were throwing against air on a Tuesday afternoon. So to me, uh, I don't know where the criticism is grounded, where where it would come from. I've seen nothing away from the field to give me any kind of pause about him. And I think everything he's done on the field has been a completely positive thing. I don't know whose agendas these are mm-hmm. uh, fueling that that's coming out with this uh, 11th hour smear campaign on him as a person, but... I think anybody who's a football person who puts his tape in sees a guy who is, as he says, a, uh, what was it? A, a ball. I don't know. I forget the exact term, like ball distribution specialist or something or the other was the the goofball name he put on himself. And it's just (laughs) like, he's accurate. Uh, he is escape. He has escape ability in the pocket if he wants to. And, you know, people said, oh, he was tough to coach. I don't I don't recall ever hearing anything like that. Uh, the coaches were the ones, according to everybody, who told him not to run. If there's criticism, oh, he never ran the ball. He didn't want to run the ball. Well, you know, they they seem to maintain it was the coaches who wanted to keep him healthy because mm-hmm. they didn't want to risk an injury. So I don't know of any negative marks that you can put on C.J. Stroud. I think it's all – media driven and i don't know if this is somebody perhaps who has the number two pick trying to muddy the waters so that carolina would not take him with the first pick and and then allow them to get him with the second pick i i have no idea i can't believe he would fall below the second pick so even if he doesn't go number one i thought carolina was in love with him they came up for the Pro Day. They loved him at the Pro Day. He was awesome at the Pro Day. He was awesome at the Combine on the field both days. I don't know what else somebody needs to show uh, to be the number one pick. So if, if somebody's got a better idea on that, uh, they can let me know. But uh, I've seen nothing to that would dissuade me uh, from taking him as the number one pick. And I say that without studying Bryce Young. I didn't go to his Pro Day. I didn't watch him at the Combine. i I don't know anything about Will Levis. I don't know anything about Anthony Richardson of Florida, you know, whatever, whoever they could take, whoever they want. But I just know that whoever gets CJ Stroud is going to get a good person and probably a very good player. I mean, he could be a bust just as sure as anybody could be. I mean, sure. it's a, it's all a crapshoot. You don't know how they're going to respond to the limelight and everything else, but everything in his makeup seems to say that this is what he's been gearing himself for you know, since he was a young kid. So I think he's got a lot invested here.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, hopefully for his sake, I think this is just kind of the, like you said, the silly season before the draft where there's rumors speculating to try to, you know, maybe get some trade offers uh, to get up or down or whatever it might be. So um, since we started with the draft. Let's just uh, continue this route. So, obviously, we have uh, JSN. You got Paris Johnson Jr. You got a bunch of, I think, up to maybe eight or nine Buckeyes could get drafted. So, um, let's just let let's just go through each one and maybe give me, like, uh, just a couple thoughts on each guy as we go. So, let's just start with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and your thoughts obviously didn't play. Uh, this past season, more than maybe like 40, 50 snaps, uh, unfortunate hamstring injury. But uh, thoughts on JSN going forward in the draft and, and where you think he might go?
1: Well, we know he had a great 2021 season, set a lot of records at Ohio State that may never be broken, you know, including that single game stuff that happened in the Rose Bowl going against that depleted, utah teams you know you know he set like what 300 and some yards receiving or something absurd uh i don't know that anybody will ever touch that but uh i think uh he answered a lot of the questions about the hamstring injury came back and performed very well at the combine uh he was the top receiver i think in the uh the pro shuttle and the three-cone drill that they do, the agility drills at the combine for wide receivers. And then he caught everything they threw his way at the OSU pro day. He and Stroud had a field day throwing the ball back and forth there. So to my way of thinking, he's a guy that's going to go somewhere between picks eight and 20 I would think in that range, and it just takes one team that needs a standout wide receiver. There's talk that Justin Fields could be lobbying for him at number nine, perhaps, although uh, the other Buckeye, Paris Johnson, would look awful good in Chicago Bears, uh, blue and orange or whatever, black Mm -hmm. and orange, whatever those colors are. But uh, I think that uh, Paris is also a first-round pick, and a big-time offensive tackle, left tackle, of the future. It's going to go between he and Peter Skoronsky of Northwestern. Between who will be the first offensive lineman taken in this draft? And uh, Paris Johnson, whoever gets him is going to get a guy that's going to play 12 to 15 years in the NFL and be an All-Pro. And uh, he's just that good, and he's just that good of a person, even better person than he is an offensive lineman. So those are three surefire first-round picks. Ohio State has the record now somewhere in the 90s, like 95 all time first round picks. Mm-hmm. And they're going to continue to add to that record with at least three more, uh, possibly four. Dewan Jones, the big behemoth offensive tackle, whatever he's listed at, 6'7 and 360, or whatever he is, 6'8, <laughs> 360. Uh, he's got. Potential late first round or early second round uh, grade kind of on him right now. Again, depends on what a team at the end of the first round is really looking for. Uh, Is he better suited maybe to be a right tackle at the NFL? Does he have the agility to fight off a speed rusher? I don't know, but he's going to swallow up a lot of... People, you know, trying to get in that backfield. So those are the top four right there, and then probably three more guys will get drafted in the course of the of the draft. Luke Whippler at center, uh, probably in the second or third round. The defensive end, uh, Zach Harrison, will probably be drafted in the second or third round, and then you're probably dropping down into the secondary with Ronnie Hickman at safety. Uh, probably as a later round pick, safeties are kind of a dime a dozen position. Mm-hmm. He left OSU a year early uh, to enter the NFL draft, but uh, remains to be seen. You know, uh, you know if he's going to go. Probably not till that third day. Probably rounds four to seven. So okay. uh, that's kind of how I shake it out. I, I would see three guys for sure in the first round on next Thursday. Then possibly DeWan Jones, either late first round or on the second day early in the second round with Whipler and Harrison probably also going sometime on the second day in the second or third round, although Harrison could drop. I don't think he did a whole lot at his pro day, and I don't know if all the questions about him have been entirely answered. I don't think he ever ran a 40-yard time for pro scouts. I I don't know that he did. Maybe he did for some individually. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Hickman, beyond that, you know, possibly some free agents out there, uh Tanner McAllister at safety, uh Teron Vincent defensive tackle. Um I'm kind of running out of guys off the top of my head that would that would even be
0: I wonder if uh I was thinking I was wondering if Mitch Rossi would get like a free agent pickup. You know the fullback's yeah. not a used position that much, but I was thinking yeah, maybe he's he'd flyer.
1: he's definitely a guy. He put a lot of good plays on film at Ohio State as both the fullback and also the wing back the tight end position, he did outstanding as a blocker. And he, when they threw the ball to him, he did fine. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just scratching my brain to think if there's anybody else out there. How about uh, Ron um, Cage is another defensive yeah. tackle? But beyond that, I can't imagine, you know, they get more than about seven guys probably drafted this year. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Which,
1: well, they could have seven guys taken in the first – Two rounds next year. I mean, it next year is going to be absurd. They can honestly have anywhere between seven and ten guys leave eligibility on the table after this season and go to the NFL. When you talk about Henderson and Mayan Williams, three wide receivers: Fleming, Buca, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Cade Stover probably still had an extra year after next year if he wants. Uh, Donovan Jackson. Would leave probably on offensive line, Sawyer and Tui Maloow almost certainly, Eichenberg and Chambers, uh, Denzel Burke. Uh, so yeah, I mean you got you know eight <laughs> seven or eight of those guys are leaving early after next year. Wow, yeah.
0: So a uh, just like a, a treasure trove of guys uh, they're going to be in the NFL. And you know I'm looking at a stat here, and this is actually uh, from from your guys' outlet, twenty four seven sports. Uh, Ohio state 157 draft picks since 2000 and 34 of them being first rounders, which is number one overall. So just yeah. amazing. And that number is only going to get bigger, like you said. So yeah, uh, very, very, very impressive stuff. Um, so Steve, let's get into uh, a little bit of post spring ball. I don't really want to even get into the spring game all that much. You can't, you can't really, to me, I just watch in a little bit of it. It's not my favorite thing to watch. I, I get it's a beautiful day in Columbus. A lot of people, you can get into the horseshoe for a couple bucks. But to me, it's, uh, you know, you're playing a vanilla offense, vanilla defense. So what can you really take out of that? So my question to you is, post-spring football, where do you see the quarterback battle between McCord and Devin Brown, who wasn't able to play in the spring game. Where do you, where do you see that heading into uh summer and, and fall camp?
1: Yeah, great question. I think McCord has the inside track. <clears throat> I think he was solid throughout the spring. I think uh, we had a poster on our website that posted all of his throws and all of his runs. He was 18 of 34 in the spring game. As you said, kind of a vanilla offense. They didn't throw the ball downfield a lot. And my impression watching, that tape on YouTube was that he had to come away from the spring game being pretty frustrated, maybe a little bit with his play, but also with the lack of protection. He was under duress, it seemed, quite a bit. Uh, He had four or five passes that went off the hands of his wide receivers. Cade Stover had one go through his hands at the five-yard line where if he catches it and falls backward into the end zone, you know, that's a touchdown. Uh let's see, uh Jaden Ballard had one that kind of went through his hands at one point. One of the running backs had a, a dump off pass go off his hands. It wasn't gonna go for many yards. But you know, if you complete a few more of those passes, now it's it's twenty two of thirty-four for mm-hmm. two hundred and twenty yards and two touchdowns. Now you got something. You can kind of wrap your arms around, mm-hmm. you know, that he's you know, he's he's completing some balls downfield and some different things have happened. Put the ball in the end zone. You know, these kind of things. And, and people are a little bit more excited. People on our message boards were like, you know, panicking. The sky is falling. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, he didn't have Travion Henderson. He didn't have mine Williams. I mean, mine Williams ran the ball four times. Certainly didn't have Marvin Harrison beyond the first two series and then didn't have a Fleming. Or Xavier Johnson out there. So right there are like five of your top seven or eight skill position players didn't even play or hardly played in the spring game. How would you gauge anything, you know, out of it? The offensive line's in a state of flux. Got to get those guys, uh, you know, nail things down here in the next four and a half months. And uh, defensive line looked great, uh, I thought. I think the secondary was much improved. Uh, Denzel Burke, as he kind of puts it, he's healthy now. He played injured, it seems like a little bit last year, and gave up some plays, perhaps because of that. So, uh, to me, I think there'll be a little bit more stability on defense, more guys who know what they're doing, more, you know, a year older, year stronger, year faster, and and we'll see. You know, particularly those guys up front, Sawyer and Tui Maloau, they need to set the tone with a strong and steady, steady pass rush. Uh, They had a couple young guys, Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson. Curry's a sophomore. Kenyatta Jackson is a redshirt freshman at defensive end. They were outstanding as well. C.J. Hicks, sophomore, five-star recruit last year. Uh, Didn't play a whole lot, you know, this past year as a freshman. He had a really good spring game. Gabe Powers, a redshirt freshman. He did well. Sonny uh, Styles, if he'd be a sophomore, I guess at safety. Also a five-star guy in last year's class. Uh, you know, he looks like he's going to get in the mix as well. So across the board, to me, it it just it looked and felt defensively like it was going to be much better. And, of course, if the defense is much better, that makes it much more difficult on the quarterback as you get back to McCord. I, I just think that that competition is going to linger into the first two weeks of preseason camp. I think mm-hmm. McCord has the upper hand. Brown will certainly be healthy. I mean, he'll be back throwing, you know, as soon as his finger – that uh, he had to have a procedure on as soon as it heals in the next few weeks. And I would think by early May, he's back throwing and really no impact on, on preseason camp, you know, in a few months. So I think they'll take the first two, two and a half weeks of preseason camp sort through that name, a starter about, you know, a week and a half before the opener, September the 2nd at Indiana and attack the season, you know, from there. And, And I don't rule out that two guys might play, I don't rule out that there could be a change at some point if things don't go well. But to me, I think McCord has earned that benefit of the doubt, at least for right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Ryan Day, you know, specifically picked McCord, I believe, even over J.J. McCarthy at Michigan uh, during the recruiting process. So, you know, Day has a proven track record, you know, O.C. with Haskins and then bringing in Fields instead of uh, Tate Martell, I believe, to bring up a name from the past. And then, you know, just on and on and on. Um, so hopefully a, uh, the tradition continues uh, because the Ohio State standard and Ryan Day standard now at quarterback has really been, you know, that we keep moving the goalpost on that. So it's getting tougher and tougher for those guys to, uh, you know, keep pushing that. So hopefully McCord can live up to uh, his five star rating. Um Steve, let me just ask you this, and maybe an under-the-radar player that, uh, you know, we all know the Marvin Harrisons and JTTs, uh, but, like, who is someone that you're most excited, looking forward to, that maybe people aren't talking about um, for 2023 season?
1: Mm, man, that's a good question. Yeah. Um... I've always uh, – I've kind of liked Dallin Hayden at running back, and he got in there last year. It was kind of the emergency back late in the season when both Williams and Henderson were hurt, and I thought he he really gave them uh, some great uh, stability there at running back. Why he didn't get to play against Michigan remains one of the world's great mysteries, you know, and, and they didn't win that game. Uh, Chip Treon really performed well this spring too, so those two guys are ready to go. If uh, if need be, and of course they're going to get Evan Pryor back from injury as well. So they got five running backs. Yes. How are they how are they going to share one football with five running backs and and still get the ball to all those outstanding wide receivers as well? Uh, some true freshmen. Carnell Tate caught a touchdown in the spring game. He was outstanding early and rolling. True freshman Noah Rogers also at, at uh, wide receiver caught a touchdown as a true freshman in the spring game. And Jelani Thurman. Uh, Number 15, a big target, something like 6'6", 250, a big guy, the biggest target on the field, number 15. Uh, Look out for him. He's going to push his way into the rotation as a a tight end as a freshman. I think all those guys uh, deserve it. Uh, Kenyatta Jackson, number 97, redshirt freshman defensive end. He had a huge spring, and – you know, I don't know that he's ready to take over for Sawyer or Tui Maloow as a starter just yet, but when they put him in the game, there's not going to be much drop-off. I'll just give it to you straight like that, that he's ready to go. He was shot out of a cannon uh, sometimes, it seemed like, coming off the edge. So those are some of the ones I think about. They got two transfers in the secondary with Jahad Carter from uh, Syracuse at safety and Davison Ignaboson at cornerback from Old Miss. And he came right in and showed that he's going to be playing, you know, a third or half the plays or, or more uh, this year in a rotation, probably with Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock at cornerback. So at uh, safety, you know, they're too deep at all three safety positions. Uh, Cameron Martinez is a guy who's kind of been lurking in the shadows for a long time. He could be the slot safety, you know, the third safety that they put on the slot receiver that they that they like to use i think tanner mcallister may have played that mm-hmm. position last year but uh, I, I mean i i am dyslexic when it comes to those three safeties <laughs> i don't know which one's the free safety the strong safety or the slot but and i they know got, like
0: funny names for them. yeah too.
1: the adjuster and all this other stuff but Cameron <laughs> martinez is the guy right now it seems to me at the slot the other two are up for grabs and that's like Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom and Sonny Stiles. They'll get Court Williams back from an injury. Um, Jihad Carter, the guy we referenced. Uh, Kai Kai Stokes was a big big freshman last year on the team that helped them out a little bit. So they're too deep at every safety position and, uh, and probably too deep at every corner position, both corner positions. So they go from that being one of the Achilles heels of the team last year to being healthy and being one of the strengths of the team. I think in uh, 2023, I don't want to see the coaches get too much tunnel vision to where they don't substituted those positions because yeah. i think the subs one would be fresh and two not much drop off when you put some of those guys in there
0: no doubt and my you know no one's listening to me on the coaching staff but get Sonny styles on that field is my uh my only bold uh statement i need to make so steve last question because you know maybe we can get you out on the golf course here but last question i have for you um going into, and I hate to end on a negative, but what's your biggest concern? Is it the quarterback position? Is it the offensive line? What's the biggest concern heading into uh, the 2023 season?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's the quarterback and the offensive line, and they kind of go hand in hand. The quarterback is going to be a function of the play of the offensive line and to a degree the other people around him the running backs blocking for him and catching passes out of the backfield uh the running backs establishing the run the wide receivers and tight ends catching passes for him as well and the offensive line providing protection and i think They had some good days in that Mm -hmm. regard. We got to see three scrimmages plus the spring game. I thought the first scrimmage was okay in terms of pass protection. The second scrimmage was a disaster in terms of pass protection. We got to see 70 plays, and there were probably 10 negative plays out of 70. And Mm. that's not a very good ratio. If you give up more than two sacks in a game, and usually you run sixty-five to seventy-five plays in a game, if you give up more than two, then you've really, you've really put yourself. I mean, think about every sack you give up in football at this level. You've now made it second and fifteen or third and seventeen, and it's it's not manageable. It's it's you can't overcome that. It's the same as a holding penalty although you do get the down back on a holding penalty, you don't get the down back. So, you know, I mean, you really hamstring yourself and that's when you open the door for a young quarterback to try and force something in there and get a pick and, and a bad turnover deep in your own territory. And you don't want that. So to me, those two areas are, are part and parcel. Josh Fryer at left tackle is a bright kid. Got a great body. He just needs to keep working on it, and, and, and it'll come. I think it'll come. At the other right, the other right tackle position, uh, you had Taker Toshbola, who redshirted. He's a redshirt freshman, and Zim Mahalski, who's maybe a year further along than Toshbola. Than Both young guys who are learning and getting these opportunities for the first time. I think the three interior positions are going to take care of themselves. You've got the two veterans back, Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones, and then at center, uh, you've got a, a competition. Whippler left, you know, a lot of people thought a year earlier than maybe everyone thought he would and, and really left a hole there, but Carson Hinsman, a redshirt freshman, did a nice job. Uh, they brought in Victor Cutler, a mm-hmm. uh, transfer from Louisiana Monroe, who's in the mix, and also Jacob James, who's been injured, a veteran player. Uh, those three guys will battle it out in the fall, and I have no doubt whoever plays there. I will be fine one because you'll have a veteran on both sides of him. As long as he snaps the ball, I think they'll be fine. But it's those edges that really, really set the tone. I think for the offense, you've got to keep those speed rushers out of the backfield and uh, but got to be able to establish the run on the edge as well. So, uh, to me, uh, the development of those two tackle positions goes part and parcel with the quarterback. So, all of that bears some, uh, examination first two weeks of preseason camp.
0: Okay. All right, Steve, I did lie. I have one more question for you. Um, you know, we're, I'm, I'm a Browns fan. A lot of, uh, us in Youngstown are, are Browns Me fans. Me too. Me too. Oh, oh, they're, hard to support. Okay. I did not know that. So that's hard good to know. Fo-
1: they're hard to support. Hard to follow. <laughs> usually so my-, my afternoon, my, my Sundays in December and January are usually pretty wide open. Oh. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, too bad it's not golfing weather that time of I year, know. unfortunately.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: Steve, my question being in Columbus, I don't know if you've heard the rumors. that You know, uh, I don't know what's good. You know, a lot of smoke out there. But if yeah. the Browns were to uh, build a new stadium or do a full rebuild, uh, you know, they're going to have to play football somewhere. So there has been rumors with the Haslam's owning the Columbus crew down in Columbus that possibly the Browns could play in Columbus for a year, two years, or maybe even a couple games. So yeah thoughts on the well, Columbus Browns.
1: Yeah, the thought I have on that, two things. Uh, I know, what was it, the Chargers or the Rams, when they moved to Los Angeles, they played at the soccer stadium for a year or two. Maybe it was the Chargers, but they had no following to begin with, so right. It didn't matter. They, you know, they they drew twenty five thousand people, and not that many people were upset that they couldn't get into the Chargers game. This would be an entirely different situation if you mm-hmm. moved the Cleveland Browns to Columbus and played them in a twenty five thousand seat stadium. That's just <laughs> absurd. You would sell out Ohio Stadium for the Cleveland Browns at one hundred and five thousand people, provided the tickets aren't one hundred and fifty dollars each or something stupid. Yeah. But uh, to me, it would make perfect sense. It's the only place in Ohio within a 120 mile radius where they could play and still make bank, you know, with the uh, gate receipts and even the uh, suite revenue would still be there because Ohio stadium's got a number of suites as well. I think that Ohio state and the Cleveland Browns could work out uh, quite, quite a, a comfortable working relationship to do that, uh, no problem, for a year or two. I go back, it's been about 15 years ago, the Chicago Bears, when they dropped that spaceship on top of uh, 2,000-year-old Soldier Field there in downtown Chicago, I mean, nothing looks out of place like all those windows and glass and that metal on top of those concrete pillars and columns. I mean, that that's about the stupidest. <laughs> looking football stadium in the world, but, and, and that, no wonder they want to get out of there, but um, they played for two years. I want to say at the university of Illinois, which is in Champaign, which is mm-hmm. actually like two and a half to three hours from Chicago and people who wanted to go to the games just had to hop in their car and go to Chicago. So I think between the Brown support in Columbus, but believe me, it's about, if you measured the market, you know, that's probably 45% Browns, 35% Bengals, and then the rest Steelers and whoever mm-hmm. um, it, they'd sell out. No problem between people driving in from Cleveland for the weekend. And I mean, people could drive in from the weekend to go see Ohio state and the Browns, you know, yeah. for one weekend, it just makes perfect sense if they can do it and come up with a, a way to do it. I, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. I don't know mm-hmm. why, I don't know why Cleveland would deny that, that, <laughs> that's not a possibility or that they that I, I saw, I mean, it was, it was reported by somebody like in passing and then the Browns came out immediately. So there've been no talks of that. You know, it's like, this <laughs> miss it out of hand, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't lose a dime. You know, yeah. if, you, if you did that, you, you'd, you you'd make, and you'd also make Columbus, you know, an adjunct Cleveland Brown city forever by doing that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't get what the negative would be in the short term. I mean, I mean, where are they going to play? Exactly. There's there's nowhere in Cleveland for them to play. I mean, you can't play at Akron. You can't play, Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me. There, I mean, you could play at the hall of fame in Canton, but you'd probably have to bring in like 25,000 portable seats just to get it up to 40 or 50,000. I mean, I suppose you could do that, but the logistics of, I mean, you know, being able to do that in Canton just, you know, just aren't there. So what, i mean why why put a square peg into a round hole if if that stadium unless they're going to start from scratch somewhere else up there i mean i don't know what sure. the point is I yeah and play at the old stadium till the new one's ready but i don't know all right Whatever.
0: Well, very interesting. Very interesting. So Steve, um, we appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, hopefully we have you back, uh, sometime, you know, before the season kicks off and, uh, you know, again, thanks for all you do. And, uh, where can people find you on, uh, you know, Twitter, social media, all that stuff.
1: Yep. That's Steve Hellwagon, uh, H E L W A G E N, not O N. And uh, bucknuts.com, probably the 24-7 Sports Network. And we've had stuff up there recapping spring football all week. And I'm sure we'll continue to do that, covering recruiting, basketball, and everything else. So there all you right. go.
0: All right. Very good. Well, thanks, Steve. Go Buckeyes. Go Browns. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Take care.
0: You too. All right. So, again, thanks to uh, Steve for joining us. Uh, I think that was his third or fourth time on our show. So, uh, always a great guest, very knowledgeable. And, you know, he's right there. He sees it all. He was at the NFL combine, he's at practices, uh, interviews the players. So, he gets a good feel for it. So, I I was really curious to hear what he said about CJ Stroud. So, um, I think there's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people put a lot of things out there to position themselves and jockey for draft position uh this coming week. So um so let's uh Joe let me ask you the same question I asked Steve about the possible Columbus Browns at least for a year maybe two uh if if the Browns did do a full rebuild on their stadium which they probably should.
2: Mm. That'd be interesting. I would love to see Browns fan of that num- that many many uh individual fans in those stands oh yeah
0: oh ohio stadium is if you've never been there it's amazing uh cleveland brown stadium to me is it's only it was built in 1999 or started in like 97 or something like that but it opened in 99 it is outdated um it it's not the worst stadium by far at all in the nfl but it's nowhere near the top either and We've talked about this before. If the Browns do a full re- rebuild, you have to put a roof on that thing. You have to freaking put a roof on that thing. I'm going to get called out for saying, oh, you're weak, this and that, soft. No, no, put a roof on it. It only makes common sense financial and, uh, you know, for the city, not just from a football perspective. And hey, when it's nice, Open that damn roof. Get some fresh air in there. Let it... You can even do like a half and half, like a hybrid. Maybe put a roof on it, but maybe make it open air in other places. I don't know. What say you?
2: That'd be interesting. Like, I do... I agree with you. You, you just have so much more access to, um, to venues, events, and whatever, mm-hmm. if you put that roof on there. Um, d- does it feel like they just built that stadium to you? You know what? Someone
0: else said that to me. They're like, is that stadium that old? And I said, well, it's actually like the 10th oldest stadium in the NFL. So, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, the, I don't know, the Vikings and SoFi and the Jets stadium and all these other stadiums have come along. Um, There's not a whole lot of stadiums older than the Browns uh, stadium, which is crazy. But from what I heard, they rushed that build so fast kind of like how the Browns have been built over the past uh, 20 (laughs) years um, that they, that, you know, the foundation was not great. So, and literally from the team, yeah, yeah. From the team. So it's like, maybe if we start over, just knock the whole thing down and rebuild, you know, the stadium and then the team will uh, be a little bit smoother. So I don't know
2: what the, the warranty is about to expire on the stadium <laughs> at 25 years, so it's not to rebuild. Yeah, no, and and or I mean, you can get the extended warranty, well,
0: <laughs> but that's what they do anymore. It's like stadiums are around 25, 30 years, and then it's build a new one. And whether that's football, baseball, whatever. Um, I mean, the Gund Arena, the Q, now Rocket Mortgage Field House. You know, that's about the same age, uh, a little bit, a couple years older, but they did a like almost a full remodel of that too. And um, it's just part of the deal. So apparently the Haslams who have spent like nearly a billion dollars and being partial owner of the Milwaukee bucks now uh, have said, you know, it's maybe not financially feasible to build, um, you know, a dome based on, construction costs and whatnot so we'll see maybe that's pandering to the city council and the so mayor to try to get some, to to get money, some, money. some and, money and yeah. i think the same thing with the columbus thing it's like hey well if you guys aren't playing by the rules we're gonna take them down to columbus and you know that's how much money from the economy going back down to columbus which that economy thriving you know whereas cleveland It's good, but it could be so much better. You know, Cleveland is a sports town. It thrives off of its sports. Whereas Columbus has a lot of different things it can fall back on. So
2: I don't know. Didn't when Haslam uh, bought the team, didn't he do a bunch of upgrades to the stadium too? I
0: I think there's been small upgrades. And when I say small, I'm I'm talking probably in the tens of millions of dollars, but um, I, I not exactly sure on that, but I know there have been upgrades, but, not to the level where um it's in the
2: modern nfl you know i think the the big jumbotron got a facelift i remember that one year but i can't remember aesthetically or with the seating or anything Mm -hmm. like that yeah
0: i and i think like once you build and you know like your foundation is your foundation you can do like some aesthetic things here and there to pretty it up but it's not going to widen your concourses it's not going to you're not going to be able to add glass or extra seating or whatever because you know it is also on a lake so i don't know what the foundation is there of like weight capacity and all that stuff so that's for uh people smarter than me maybe not you but people smarter than me yeah we don't so. talk the
2: science <laughs> and stuff here on the, no, the Sports not
0: not not today at least maybe no. we'll bring in uh ralph or something to talk <laughs> a little physics on that uh in the future um so all right a couple more things before we get out of here i have one uh, real quick heated issue, uh, polarizing debate that was going on Twitter that involves sports this week. But uh, real quick check in with the Cleveland Guardians. One and a half games back of the Minnesota Twins through April 19th. They're two and four at home, eight and five on the road. They have the 11th best uh, ERA at 3.89. Uh, they have Their batting average just stinks so far this year. 231, which is 22nd in baseball. However, they lead the league in steals. Uh, They lead, excuse me, they uh, are up there with triples, up there in walks. So they're getting on base. They're moving base runners, but they're not hitting for power. They're not uh, scoring a lot of runs right now, but uh, they're in a lot of close games, and their pitching staff is good enough to uh, overcome that. So, um, real quick, one more thing on the NBA. I already talked Cavs at the beginning of the show because uh, we were having a little trouble with Steve's um, audio. But I put this out on Tuesday. We recorded the show on Tuesday, but I put this out. So... Uh, Draymond Green stomped, literally stomped on Devonis Sabonis' chest the other night is suspended for game three, Golden State and Sacramento Kings. And then last night, Dylan Brooks comes out and calls LeBron James old and doesn't want to hear him talking uh, because he doesn't deal with with people uh, unless they score 40 on him. And he goes something like LeBron is 40 and I don't know. So Dylan Brooks made my all NBA piece of shit awards. (laughs) So I put 12 guys out there, Draymond green, James Harden, Grayson Allen, Trey Young, Dylan Brooks, Rudy Gobert, Kelly O'Linick. If you remember, if you're a Cavs fan and don't remember Kelly O'Linick, he is the guy that basically pulled Kevin Love's arm out of his socket in 2015, which could have cost the Cavs the NBA title because they lost him. And that was a, a really great run. Marcus Smart, the Celtics, Kyrie Irving, very polarizing guy in the league, Uh, Patrick Beverly, Ben Simmons. And then the one that surprised me that a lot of people told me you need to add this guy to the list, Chris Paul. Chris Paul is like, I thought would be one of the most popular players in the NBA. He has some of the most uh, lucrative endorsement deals, but There's a lot of guys that don't like him and a lot of players that don't like him. So Chris Paul makes that list. So uh, one more time, I'll put that up on the screen. But uh, yeah, Green, Harden, Allen, Young, Brooks, Gobert, Olenek, Smart, Irving, Paul, Simmons, and Patrick Beverly. So um, that's a look at my all NBA whatever. POS list. If we want to say that without swearing. All right. Last thing I want to get into before we close out the show here. So there is a reliever for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, His name is Anthony Bass. He put this out on Twitter the other day, and I'm going to put this up on the screen now. And then Joe, I want your opinion on this. So he said the flight attendant on United and he tagged United Airlines in this just made my 22 week pregnant wife traveling with five-year-old and a two-year-old get on her hands and knees to pick up the popcorn mess made by my youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? So obviously his youngest daughter would be two years old. A lot of people, I put this out on social media. A lot of people, uh, had some different differences of opinion on this. Now, here's what I say. Uh, I think any parent out there will generally clean up after their child. Uh, at least, you know, maybe not every little piece of popcorn, uh, or whatever, but, First of all, I heard the United Airlines uh, crew gave those kids the popcorn as well. So I don't know if that changes anything. But Joe, what's your thoughts on this?
2: Man, you changed the dynamic on it. <laughs> because I was going to say, as a parent, if you give your kid popcorn, you got to be responsible yes. for its whereabouts. Mm-hmm. But but if the airline gave it to them, the airline automatically becomes responsible okay. for the, the cleanup. So they're culpable now, in this. Now, I would make the two-year-old pick up their own stuff. That's yeah. a great lesson. Yeah. Say, look at the mess you made, yeah. make a less mess next time and you won't yeah. have to pick up so much. Yeah, and the five-year-old would probably help too. 100%. You know,
0: like it's their little sister, little brother, whatever. Um. And there's something to be said about, like Joe said, teaching your kids responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, hey, there's some consequences to your actions. If you make a mess, you got to clean it up. You right. would do that at home. You know, I have... little one and she uh will not all the time clean up and sometimes i find myself getting frustrated because she won't do that and i'll end up just picking it up to avoid a fight or an argument or something with her and uh you know that's part of parenting i think but like i've noticed as i encourage it it more and more as she gets older she's doing it more and more so i think little life lessons as we go along. But uh, I have
2: a compromise for you. Yes, please. So those people who stand up before the they let you off, <laughs> have those guys clean up the aisles. Give them something to do while they're standing around.
0: Yes, yes, yes. You see that tie-in? Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, so if God. you're standing up on the airplane before it uh went out while it's taxing, get, get it get on your hands and knees clean and pick the that shit up. Board serve serve you just solved you just killed two birds with one stone there all right so that's our show today um next week two shows uh tuesday is going to be a an nfl uh preview nfl draft preview for 2023 and next thursday we have megan lee of wkbn coming in and joining us live in studio so that's what you can look forward to next week so For Joe Danier, my name is Justin Coffin. We are live at Youngstown Studios. Appreciate you guys. And also thanks to Steve Hellwagon from 24-7 Sports for joining us to talk Ohio State Buckeyes. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the weather. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. If you like our programming, we invite you to subscribe to
2: our YouTube channel, follow our Facebook page, or subscribe to your favorite podcast
1: platform like iTunes or Spotify. This is original Youngstown content, and we would appreciate you sharing